0: Hey, Trojan fans, get ready for the Trojan Blast podcast. The Trojan Blast is like our regular Peristyle podcast with a little twist. You can download all of our podcasts 24 hours a day, seven days a week at PeristylePodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Trojan Blast podcast, USCFootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hey Trojan fans, welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast, Trojan Blast Recruiting Edition. We had a week hiatus after I took my little trip to Belize, but Gerard Martinez has been working hard the entire time I've been gone, picking up the slack as always, doing a great job and a whole bunch of recruiting news happened while we were gone and we have a ton of recruiting questions to get to, so I want to get to each and every one of them. We'll try to go through them as quickly as we can and as thoroughly as possible and the man who's going to be doing that is Gerard Martinez joining us right now. What's up, Gerard?
1: What's this we stuff, white man? What's? <laughs> you were on a hiatus to Belize, or was it Yemen? I, I keep forgetting. Belize. It was uh, one of those countries that uh, uh, they do kidnap people from time to time, right?
0: No, Belize, I don't think they kidnapped too much down there, at least where I was. Okay. It wasn't good. They, hopefully oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, but hopefully, you know, everyone survived. We got a ton of questions while I was gone. And a lot of questions. a lot of recruiting
1: has been going on since you're gone, dude. I mean, hey, we got the camps going, we got uh, you know commitments. I mean, Sua Cravens is going, and you know, you kind of let me hang out to dry there. We had to <laughs> we had to close that down, you know, with Ryan uh, away in Belize on uh, his own private island uh, with his wife. And uh, but you know, hey, we can handle it. Dan and I we held down the fort for you and I think we did an exceptional job, if I, I do say so myself.
0: I think so, too. We should give you guys a bonus. Should I, I'll give you a pat on the back. Tell you what, next time I see you, that'll be a great bonus. There you go. <laughs> all right, well, let's jump into this, Gerard. And some There's been a lot of questions on commitments and uh, on offers and offers binding. I've seen them on the message boards, and I've got a whole bunch of questions that have come in, so I'm going to kind of group them all together. Can you talk about... What a verbal offer is, and is it people think it's binding, so if you give an offer to a kid, he can just accept it and you can't say no and what it is a, about a commitment um, a verbal commitment can you know does that mean it's binding things like that people are kind of getting confused on what these verbal offers and even written offers and verbal commitments mean
1: as time goes on and the class begins to dwindle and there are less spots available, uh, the fans are definitely going to start to look at. Is this guy really committed? Is that guy really committed? Uh, Is USC looking at another guy instead of that guy to get him committed? um, There's going to be a lot of that. And as we've seen some more commitments here over the past few weeks, Uh, I think USC fans are definitely looking at the numbers and want to know what does it really mean to be verbally committed and what does it mean to have a verbal scholarship offer? It's not binding. Uh, verbal commitment, just as a verbal offer, is not binding. Nothing is binding until signing day, until you sign on the dotted line, and that is for the school and it's for the recruit himself. So right now, it's all basically just talk, but obviously your word has to mean something in recruiting as a coach, and coaches don't like to offer scholarships without being able to see them through. However, having said that, You know, a lot of kids are playing the game nowadays and they're jumping around between offers and they're looking at different schools. And I think the schools now are kind of turning the tables on that a little bit. I think a good example of that was Darrell Daniels, the 6'4", 205-pound receiver from Oakland, California, who came down to the skills camp last weekend. Now, he came down with an offer but he was there competing for a spot. While he had a scholarship offer, there were other receivers that showed up to the camp that did not have scholarship offers that wanted a scholarship offer. Now, Darrell Daniel could have committed weeks ago when he was first offered uh, you know, during the May evaluation period, but he decided to wait. He came down to perform, and then it became a little bit of that race to have, who could win that spot at the receiver position, and he didn't win. <laughs> at the end of the day, he did not win. Steven Mitchell won, 5'10", 180-pound receiver from Bishop Alamany High School, Mission Hills, uh, Army All-American, a fantastic player, but a guy that obviously with his height, his weight, was a lot smaller, different kind of player than Darrell Daniels. And really what we'd seen going up to this point was Darrell Darrell Daniels is the big guy, and USC wanted the big guy. They wanted big receivers. They didn't have a lot of big receivers on the roster. They were looking for that Mike Williams, that Dwayne Jarrett type. And Gerald Daniels, on paper, fit that. But when they came down, and they came down to actually performing at the skills camp, Stephen Mitchell was the guy. From all intents, everybody that we've heard from, all the sources that we talked to, Stephen Mitchell was the guy. He was the guy the day before, also, at the Danny Hills Airstrike passing tournament. And I think the thing about Stephen Mitchell, uh, more than anything, he's a great kid. He's a hard worker. He's a great student. He's a guy that's going to come in the program. He's going to be low maintenance. You're not going to have to worry about him. Um, he's going to be a guy that's going to be, I think, great for USC's offense also on the field as a fit in terms of stretching the offense. And so there's one of those situations where you had a guy who had a verbal scholarship offer. He didn't take it, so he let that door open for other guys to compete for that offer. And one of those guys ended up getting that offer and committing and taking that spot.
0: Okay, so I think that answers Dave from San Clemente's question. He wanted to know if it was a committable offer. He could have committed, but... He kind of waited too long, and USC doesn't have a spot for him anymore, if that's what you're saying.
1: Basically. I I think it's one of those things where, uh, you know, there's only so many scholarships that they have per position, and USC kind of has to move on certain guys. And that's really kind of what happened. It became one of those things where everybody was competing for that one spot. And, um, and I say one spot, you know, maybe there's, there's another spot there, but I think that they kind of make their minds up. And when they see these kids in person, you know, they make certain evaluations. And I think everything that I've heard uh, about Darrell Daniels is that, uh, seeing him more, you know, I got to see him in the May evaluation period a little bit. He'd be coming back from a hamstring injury that he had in tracked. So he really wasn't performing a whole lot. Uh, when they saw him in person, this was really the first time they really got to see him performing drills against Division One competition because, you know, he's not only down there performing himself, but he's performing against other good players. And it was one of those things where, you know, I, I think, you know, the guys that stood up and really shined uh, were the guys that got the scholarship offers. And, you know, that was uh, Stephen Mitchell and Sebastian LaRue, um, a, a 5'11", 175-pound Receiver slash corner from Santa Monica High School also got a scholarship offer. And he's a guy that's kind of an athlete, could really play either way for USC. And um, I, I think, really, you know, intriguingly, could be a fantastic corner. He also won a scholarship offer. So USC's recruiting him as a receiver um, kind of could play either way. Uh, but that's another guy that, again, you know, won that scholarship offer. But he has that verbal scholarship offer right now. That may be on a time limit. You know, there may be a time frame where USC they're gonna offer him but they need him to commit by a certain point and then they move on to another guy um, to that that will commit if Sebastian doesn't commit. So there's a lot of those kind of, you know, intangibles and I know one of the other questions was, you know, can USC back off a guy that is a verbal commitment? Do they ever just kind of stop recruiting a verbal commitment? That's a complicated question as well. I mean you saw a little bit of that happen with Jadon Mickens, but there's usually a reason for that. Usually there's some initiation on the recruit's part. Um, in that kind of backpedaling by the school. Uh, in Jalen Mickens' um, situation, it was a little bit of grades and it was a lack of communication, and there were some other things that kind of started to kind of unravel a little bit with his recruitment. You know, he was offered really early in the process uh, by a coach that really actually didn't recruit that section of, uh, of Los Angeles. you know, Kenny Palomalu wasn't actually even on the staff when Jaden Mickens got a scholarship offer from USC. So it's one of those things where maybe they didn't evaluate him quite enough and he jumped on that scholarship offer maybe before they were ready to have him commit. And you know, obviously with Jordan Payton last year, that was one of those things where Jordan Payton was visiting everybody and their brother and going to all these different schools and <laughs> saying you know, he's open and he didn't want to be locked in to not taking official visits uh, in January. And USC is saying, listen, we only have so many scholarship offers We only have so much room. We can't have you going around and courting all these other schools while you're committed to us in January, and that was one of those things where they were easily parted ways, and I think it worked out well for USC. So, you know, these situations are all different, all different contexts, but, again, bottom line, verbal commitments and verbal offers, they are just that, verbal. There's nothing binding about them.
0: All right, you mentioned Bruce and Cupertino's first question about the coaches stop, I mean, about verbal, but uh, he had some questions about verbals too. But he, the follow-ups were, do other coaches stop recruiting uh, after a verbal commitment? And if you're a coach that gets a verbal commitment, do you keep recruiting that player, kind of like a retention mode? And is there any animosity between coaches? I know we saw some of that uh, when Urban Meyer went to the Big, to the big Ten. He kind of uh, stole some commits there, and a lot of the coaches there didn't really like they thought it was dirty pool. But uh, do, do you see that happen a lot in uh, college football recruiting?
1: Yes, 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 and yes. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely something that, um, there begins to be a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, animosity that does grow between coaching staffs when it happens. And they say, you know, in the big 10, there's a gentleman's agreement that when a kid is verbally committed to a school, other schools do not recruit him. I don't really know anything about that. I've seen schools just about everywhere recruit kids who are committed, uncommitted. It doesn't matter. Again, they see it exactly as it is verbal commitments, verbal offers, it's all talk, farts in the wind. At the end of the day, it's all about signing day and getting those kids signed, and then obviously you have some rules where you can't you know interject. And as far as continuing to recruit a kid that is committed to your school most definitely you have to continue recruitment basically because those other schools are still talking to him. so you have uh, a kid uh, you know like uh, you know torah lobendon who is a uh, 6'3 270 pound uh, defensive tackle offensive guard from lakewood high school who just committed to usc last night we broke that in uscfootball.com he's one of those guys that you know he's 2014 recruit, so he's got a whole <laughs> year and a half ahead of him before he actually ends up being the guy that's going to sign. Do you think that Notre Dame or Ohio State or Washington or UCLA or any of those other schools are going to stop recruiting Lobandon because, oh, well, you know, he's committed to USC. They don't care about about that so USC on the other hand has to be able to lock him in and they have to continue to stay with him have to continue to communicate with him continue to drive home the points of why he committed to USC in the first place and you just hope to hold on so yeah shortly no you know these these schools do not stop uh, uh, recruiting kids that are committed and schools that have those kids committed do not stop recruiting them either.
0: All right, well, we touched on one wide receiver question. We have a voicemail, and I'll read a couple other ones real quick. We can kind of try to lump all these together. Here we go.
1: Hey, GM, this is Brandon. I have a question about wide receiver Darren Carrington. I was wondering what the interest level between him and USC is right now. I see his recruitment is starting
0: to grow at a fast pace. So if you could give us some info on that, that would be great. Thanks and fight on. And uh, just to follow up with that, Gerard, there's, there's been a few questions about will USC get a third wide receiver, Amir and Sherman Oaks, Rundy, JD, and DC. They all wanted to know about um, taking a third wide receiver uh, in this recruiting class.
1: Good question, and it's a little hard to tell at this point. It's kind of a trick question right now. We we'll kind of have to see how it goes uh, because there's some guys that could come in as a third receiver that could end up playing defensive back. So we kind of have to get a feel for that. I think with Darren Carrington, uh, I get the vibe that um, he's really starting to rise in the eyes of a lot of schools, not only USC, but he just got an offer from Michigan. Um, he did, I think, camp a little bit at USC. I, I, uh, yeah yes he did for sure i did talk to uh one of his coaches and they they said he was down there sunday and um i, I sounded like he played pretty well haven't gotten a full review on him yet but he's a guy that's there's the potential guy he would be more of a straight receiver though i don't think he's a guy that's really one of those athletes that plays maybe receiver maybe defensive back i think he definitely is receiver so that they take a guy like Darren Carrington and answers his question, yes, they're going to take three receivers. They take a guy like Sebastian LaRue that leaves the door open a little more because he's a guy that also played a lot of defensive back at uh, this, this, skills camp this past weekend. So um, some of those guys, you know, kind of just depends. DeMar Stringfellow would be a guy, maybe possibly uh, would be, you know, a guy that if he, took the scholarship offer. Um, He does have a scholarship offer on the board right now and went with it. He'd be a receiver for sure. I don't think he'd be a defensive back. But there are some other guys out there, maybe Jermaine Kelly. He played a lot of receiver in high school. Most of his highlight tape that you watch is uh is um is him playing receiver from San Pedro? Now he goes, he's over at Salesian High School, and we went to actually go see him uh, this past spring. And he's a guy that's going to be playing more both ways. He came to USC, played a lot of defensive back, a lot of cornerback, and that's a position where he would probably come into USC. So although a lot of people look at him as receiver, he's listed as receiver. He's not really a third receiver. He'd be a guy that actually be a cornerback. So like I said, kind of a trick question at this point. We kind of have to see who the commitment is before I think we really know if it's a third receiver or it's a guy that can end up being a quarterback.
0: All right. And then one other thing on the receivers, J.J.B. wanted to know, he said he couldn't find any stats on Stephen Mitchell for the 2011-2012 season. He looked all over the Internet. Was he out with an injury or something? Can you give us some stats on uh, Stephen Mitchell?
1: Uh, you know stephen mitchell i don 't have any stats on him i don 't have his statistics right in front of me. Um, I, I know what i 've seen from him from a, a an analysis standpoint and an evaluation standpoint. Uh, the one thing that I think a lot of people were a little nervous about uh, the word was he was writing an amount of four seven four six eight I think was his time uh, at the skills camp and that 's an electronic time and that 's on turf so that 's not you know some hand time that somebody took. I think two important things to point out first he was Kind of dinged up going into that camp. He played the whole day. And when I say the whole day, I mean 8 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock at night at the Danny Hills Airstrike Passing Tournament. And his team won it. And he was one of the guys that really kind of was the catalyst to winning the championship of that passing tournament. So he was a guy that had dead legs. He was injured. He had some quad issues. And he still went into the camp and and ran, you know, like a four, four, six, eight. I think was a, at the official time that he had um, talking to some people who were there. So a lot of people think, well, you know what, that's a guy that's 5'10", 5'11", 180 pounds. That's too slow for a guy that size. Well, first and foremost, it's not really that slow because compared to some of the other times there, um, it wasn't a bad time. But more importantly, like I said, tired, injured. I've seen him in person. He's quick. He's dynamic. He is fast. And like I was saying before, he is a guy that fits USC's offense, I think much better than maybe some of these big receivers uh, that USC was enamored with early. He's a guy that can stretch the field. He's a guy that can take those little bubble screens that you see Robert Woods and Marquise Lee take and really make something of them, makes the first guy miss every play he's strong he's very powerful kid for a guy his size so he can actually break some tackles and when he's not breaking tackles he will make those guys miss so he's going to get some yards maybe where yards aren't there to get so i think you know with him he is fast don't worry about the times don't worry about all that i think he's a guy that can do a lot of different things as a receiver. He's not only a guy that can play in the slot, but he can play outside. He can play a little bit of running back. He watches junior highlight tape. There's a lot of him playing running back. He makes some dynamic plays there. So he's a guy that can get the ball out of the backfield, and he's not going to be completely clueless as to what to do with it. He can process information. He's a smart kid. He's a hard worker. And as I said, he's a, he's a great character type player that complements your whole team. You bring him in there. You know, with all these other receivers US he has, I think next to a guy like Massington, who's really more... Just a straight athlete at this point, a guy that's you know six three, two hundred pounds. He's running in a ten five range. I mean, he's just a, a guy that's just unmolded. You know, you have to really kind of bring him in a little bit and and kind of teach him nuance. I think with Steve Mitchell, you really don't have to do that. That's a guy that compliments uh, Massington really well, much better in my opinion than Darrell Daniels. So I think, you know, one of those guys that's just a great get for USC, just on and off the field. Um, He's not going to be a guy that's going to be crying because he's not playing, you know, the first game of his freshman year. Um, He's a guy that's just going to work hard, keep his head down, and and just do what everything is asked of him to do by the coaching staff.
0: All right, uh, let's move on. A couple of Sue Al Craven's questions he committed since our last podcast. J.D. And DC, JD from D.C., what former USC player does uh, Sue Al Craven's resemble on the field? And Ron wanted to know, um, with Sue Al Craven's getting so much praise, is this potential star the second coming of Ronnie Lott?
1: That's tough. I don't know if there's a direct comparison for Sewell Cravens. I mean, sometimes you get that with the player, and it it just jumps out at you. Um, I haven't really gotten that yet. I know somebody had uh, mentioned Dennis Smith as a guy, and and that was kind of an intriguing one, and Mark Carrier kind of going back, you know, in the analogs of USC. Um, And those are interesting, but, you know, as as far as, like, the latest guys – there's big safeties that have played at USC. I don't know if anybody jumps out just directly. I, I think maybe you could look at him as a guy that kind of has a little bit of that, um, you know, Kevin Ellison to him in terms of awareness and being a guy that you know really can play all over the field and is comfortable. You know, in high school we saw Kevin Ellison. He was a great running back and he played some outside linebacker. He played safety and he came to USC and he played safety and he was really great because he had that awareness and he was smart. He was cerebral and he processed. He understood the playbook and knew where to be when and I think that's a lot of what makes Sua Cravens really good but I think Sua you know athletically has a little bit of a step ahead of a guy like uh, Kevin Ellison I think he's a little more advanced just in terms of you know his ability just to run and jump and, and strength wise and really his potential physically, because he's only 16 years old, he turned 17 in July, so he's a guy that's going to grow more. I think Crazy. he could be 215 pretty easy um, once he's, you know, sophomore year in high school. He could end up, you know, graduating being about 226, 2220 220, uh, safety, uh, or maybe moving up and being a, a real linebacker. Just depends, you know, physically how he develops. But that kind of reminds me a little bit of Kevin Ellison. But then, you know, you look at some other guys, like uh, you know, maybe a little more athletic, so he has some, you know, Taylor Mays type aspects to him. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a combination of a few different players uh with with cravens and not anybody that's you know specific and and oh he's exactly like this guy that played at usc five years ago
0: okay Uh, a couple max redfield questions uh he's the kid out of mission viejo safety who's in who is in the running for max redfield will he be part of a package deal with some other top recruits in california that's from andrew and then anthony says why don't you recruit Max Redfield as an athlete so he could play receiver or safety? He'd be one of those combo guys like you had mentioned before.
1: Good question. And, and that's kind of been a little bit of the shift we've seen with USC. Now, Max Redfield tells me just last weekend that he really prefers free safety. And I think that's where USC is still really recruiting him because that's where the spot is wide open for him because you're going to have three safeties leave after this year on the roster. But he does play some receiver, and he is very good at receiver. And uh, Kennedy Palomalu, the USC's offensive coordinator, was actually down there. It was the last day or close to the last day of the May evaluation period and pretty much spent a day down there with him. And evidently talking to Max Redfield, that conversation really went from defense, defense, defense to, wow, man, you're a really good offensive player as well. we got to start looking and seeing if you could play a little offense for us. So is going to be one of those things where, you know, I think he's going to come in, he's going to camp, they're going to try to get him into rising stars. That will be huge for USC. To me, that almost could be a deal breaker. I think if they're able to get Max Redfield in there with Sue Cravens, have both those guys line up with each other, play with each other, get a feel for each other. You know, Max has already stated uh, on several occasions and hasn't backed down on it lately that playing – with Sue Cravens is a positive for USC that he likes the the thought of being able to play next to another great player like himself. It's only going to make him player, uh, make him better as a player. It's only going to make the defense that he plays on better. And Max Redfield wants to win. Max Redfield's a competitor. He's a he's a nasty, I don't want to lose type dude. I mean, he's aggressive. He has everything that you want in a, court, in, a in a safety. I mean, he really disposition wise. I just haven't seen anybody better at that free safety position nationally or locally. Um, But, again, I mean, he's a guy that really can do some great things on the offensive side of the ball, too. So I don't think USC's closed the door on that. I think they've left it open to some extent, and it's probably a smart thing to do. But Max still kind of of fancies himself as a safety, a free safety. And, you know, when you watch him play, his aggressiveness, his physical attitude, I I can see why he likes that position the most.
0: Um, I guess kind of a follow up, Matthew and, and we're talking about numbers. He wants to know if USC could land hardgraves, Johnson and Willis, would they take all three and would that leave Hawkins out? Does he, SCF Hawkins rated below those guys? And I guess, you know, we were you were talking about guys that could you know, even a guy like LaRue who could play both ways, would he count as, as a defensive back, would he count as a receiver? Um, it seems like there's a, a long list of really good defensive backs out there but USC can't sign all that many of them.
1: Yeah, and and that's kind of one of those things that you know, we talked about the verbal offers and we talked about these camps and how they kind of filter out a little bit, you know, the pretenders from the contenders. And it's going to be the defensive back position specifically because a there's a lot of local talent. There's a lot of guys that USC can recruit and can get that want USC scholarship offers or have USC scholarship offers and could commit. Uh, that are on the board. Plus, you have some guys out of state who, while maybe a little more long shot, still have some serious interest in USC. Enough interest to actually unofficially visit during the summer. So you have a guy like Vernon Hargraves, who's supposed to be here for Rising Stars. You have a guy like uh, Mackenzie Alexander, who's supposed to be here for Rising Stars. Now I think Alexander's much more of a long shot than Hargraves is, but still, you have some guys to maybe choose from. Artie Burns wants to come out for an official visit. Um, you have a list of guys, and you only have five positions, and we've already stated it time and time again, probably going to be five defensive backs that USC takes. Is it going to be three safeties and two corners, or is it going to be three corners and two safeties? I tend to lean towards three corners and two safeties. I think you know a guy like Priest Willis is definitely going to be looked at as a corner. I think maybe another local corner on top of Chris Hawkins, who's already committed, and then you're going to have Sue Cravens and Max Redfield. I think that really is the wish list right now. That's the board, but that's not maybe the way it's going to actually play out. You have Tahan Goodman there, who's a very good player that could end up, maybe he commits before Max Redfield commits. Uh, You have, uh, you know, Priest Willis who's waiting and really talking like he's going to be a signing day type announcement. Can USC wait till signing day? Can they wait until signing day when LSU and UCLA seem to be good contenders for preschoolers as well? A lot of these questions, they're not going to be answered, you know, right now. They might be answered soon to some extent, but I got a feeling, you know, there's going to be maybe one – possibly two of those spots of the five that kind of have to linger out there a little bit because I don't know nationally and, and if USC is ready to actually take a commit from a guy that's going to be a national guy and have him dangling out there. You know, there was a question about Jalen Ramsey. I think I kind of skipped over talking about uh, Redfield and some of the other players. You know, Jalen Ramsey's a guy who came out for an unofficial visit and loved it. Um, is he going to be a guy that USC can, can you know legitimately recruit? It's going to be tough. Because he's got Tennessee, he's got uh, you know Alabama, he's got those SEC schools that are hard on him. Uh, but he's a guy that's shown enough interest that he likes USC, and he's probably going to come back out for an uh, for an official visit. So there's another guy that kind of lingers out there that you know USC definitely wants. They want to keep him close, but I doubt that they would want to take a commitment from him at this point in the year, knowing that. He's going to be wide out there, just, you know, and you can talk about, you know, other schools going after other schools' commits. I mean, it's gonna be, he'd be like a piñata hanging out there with <laughs> all the negative recruiting <laughs> as a USC recruit living in Tennessee. Are you crazy? I mean, that would be out of control. <laughs> so it's one of those things that, you know, in terms of, um, you know, filling up all the spots. I'll say this, maybe those spots get filled up before September, but I don't know if we're going to publicly know about all those spots being filled up until maybe a little later in the year when it's closer to signing day.
0: Okay, we got a bunch of uh, voicemail questions too. Let's try to knock a couple of those out. Here's the first one. Hi, this question is for Gerard Martinez. Um, With the Stephen Mitchell commitment given the Trojans two wide receiver commits for the 2013 class, How does that affect the recruitment of the Robinson twins? Are they so good athletically that they're worth continuing to pursue as defensive backs? Thank you. Sorry, I lied. There was one more recruiting uh, receiver question. Sorry about that.
1: That's a, a tough question. And that's a guy that I hadn't even talked about that totally throws this thing for a loop. And that's Tyree Robinson, Tyree and Tyrell Robinson, uh, both twin brothers who are from Lincoln High School in San Diego came up to USC in camps uh, Sunday. And Tyree is, actually plays a little bit of quarterback at Lincoln High School, but he's also a receiver and he's also a safety. Tyrell is a linebacker, pretty much a straight linebacker. Their package deal. Uh, while there's not really many package deals out there, Redfield's not a package deal. Goodman's, you know, might talk about being a package deal, but he's not gonna be USC doesn't do package deals except maybe in this case, because you actually have two twin brothers, which so it's a little more understandable. And they really killed it. Everybody I talked to, and I talked to a lot of people who were at the skills camp, actually got a lot of phone calls about the skills camp, and to a person, even people that really didn't know who the twins were, other than those twin boys from San Diego. They killed it. They were really good. Those guys were the best-looking guys there by far. And so you have Tyree there who dangles in there as a, as a, re, as a receiver slash quarterback slash maybe defensive back. USC basically recruiting him as a receiver right now. That's the last we heard from him. Um, and then with Tyrell, he's going to be a linebacker. Both are that good. It's hard to really, you know, is USC going to take three receivers? Again, it's a trick question because, you know, does Tyrell actually end up playing receiver? 6'4", 180 pounds, a guy that's just completely raw but completely just off the hook in terms of his athleticism. And then you've got Tyrell who really, from what I've heard, a lot of people told me might be the best outside linebacker in the state, not if the region. I mean, he's a guy that athletically just is incredible. The thing that has kept their recruitment kind of at a lull to some extent until at least this point for USC fans, is that a lot of the talk earlier was they are going to go play basketball. Well, that may be true, but football seems to be their first sport now. And It seems now that they're coming into their senior year that football is really going to be the sport uh, that they focus on a little more just because in terms of their upside, that seems to be where they might have a better career. But they're still going to play basketball. They actually went over toward the basketball f- facilities uh, Sunday at USC, talked to Kevin O'Neal. So they are going to play basketball too. So USC has offered them both basketball and football. So where does Tyree come in and, and how does that affect you know all the scholarships when you only have limited rides? Is he that good enough? Is he good enough to actually go in and get that receiver spot? Maybe. Um, It depends on timing. Again, you know, if USC fills up to a certain extent and they get their five DBs, then, you know, it may be one of those things where they go, ah, we really can't take another receiver and we're going to have to give up on these guys, you know, because we really just don't have the rides. Um, But definitely it's a question that's, I think, being bounced around in the war room at USC this week, I, I think they have to be coming away. At least from the people that I talked to, and, and you know, a lot of high school coaches that were there and everything, people that are just not just blowing smoke. It seems that they were that good, and I've heard it before from other people who've just seen them play. We actually saw them play. Brian Bonafi, and I think I mentioned this before on the recruiting podcast, went down. and We saw them play as, as freshmen in high school, playing against Dylan Baxter, and we caught one of Dylan Baxter's games, and they were playing, and they stood out then. They were guys that were like, whoa, as underclassmen for the last couple years, it was like, yeah, those those Robinson twins, got to keep an eye on those guys. Those guys were good as freshmen playing against varsity guys. So they've been there for a while, but it's always been, you know, there's been some question about grades. That's also been an issue. But mostly it's all been about basketball, and they're going to play basketball. They're going to play basketball. But now it seems like they might play football. It becomes a whole different story. But the basketball thing does still complicate matters because – It's a different style of recruitment. You know, these guys are kind of AAU type guys. Um, They actually play for an AAU team in Oakland, which don't ask me how you're living in San Diego and you're playing for (laughs) an AA team out of Oakland, but they are, and that kind of goes to show you it's a different animal, the basketball side of things and the recruitment side of things with basketball. So USC has to take that into account as well.
0: Okay. Uh, Gerard, we're probably going to have to go to a little bit of rapid fire mode if that's okay.
1: Let's do it. It's okay with me.
0: All right. Uh, It's okay with you. We still got some. Here's a voicemail question, another one for you.
1: Hi, this is um, Alfred down here in Los Angeles. And uh, I'm calling to see uh, which three USC recruits for the football team in 2013 does USC need to get in uh, before the spring, before National Signing Day as early enrollment recruits. I know Max Brown is one of them. But who are the other two that USC, uh, they need to get as an early enrollee for this coming up um, signing day? And um, that's all I need to know about the recruiting process as of right now. Thanks. Well, if that's all you need to know, then you shall know. Uh, USC actually has quite a few guys that could be early enrollees. They're only going to be able to take three guys that count towards that 2012 class Uh, But they have uh, quite a few guys that are capable of graduating and may be able to be ready for spring ball. Max Brown, as you mentioned, is one of the five-star quarterbacks out of Sammamish, Washington. Um, And and then you have also Justin Davis, uh, the running back that's committed out of Stockton. He's on track to be an early enrollee. Kylie Fitz is trying to get on track to be an early uh, enrollee, a 6'4", 260-pound defensive end from Redlands, East Valley High School. Chris Hawkins is going to be an early enrollee. Uh, defensive back, cornerback from Rancho Camonga, you know, about 5'10", 5'11", 160, 70 pounds. Um, and then you also have the possibilities a Cravens being an early rolee. He's on track to be an early Uh the five-star safety that just committed USC a few weeks ago, 6'1", 210 pounds. Uh, they've got quite a few guys that they can take as early rollies. That's not going to be an issue this year.
0: Okay, so there's a lot of different options there. All right.
1: Yeah, they'll they'll have some redundancy there, so they're they're not not hurting for getting three guys this year like they were last year.
0: And is Kenny Bigelow one of those possibilities?
1: No, not that I know of, not at this point. I haven't heard anything about Kenny Bigelow actually being an early roley.
0: Okay. Uh, You mentioned Kylie Fitz. We do have a question from Andrew. Not much publicized about Kylie Fitz. Uh, How good is he?
1: He's very good. Uh, you know, he's a pretty quiet kid and, and not a guy that's going to be around at a lot of different camps and doing a lot of different stuff uh, like that. He was at the lineman camp this past weekend uh, and was pretty good. Um, you know, I, I think the big thing with Kylie is how does he develop physically? You know, is he a guy that ends up being a three technique. He's about 6'3", uh, 265 pounds. He could very easily end up being 275, 280 by the time he actually graduates. So the question is, is he a defensive tackle or a strong side defensive end? Um, But he's a very good player, and he's a guy that has tenacity. He's a good kid, obviously a good student. I think another one of those guys that fits well in the class and where USC is going as a program.
0: All right. Uh, Good job with the uh, rapid fire, by the way. Andrew wants to know, with Jesse Scroggins transferring, will the Trojans try to pick up another quarterback in this class?
1: I think it's a possibility. I think it's another one of those things that's maybe being debated in the coaches offices. Um, you know, if they have a transfer this year from possibly, you know, a guy like, uh, you know, Kessler or Wittick, because they're all both, you know, in the same class and they're both looking at, uh, you know, the same amount of eligibility. If one of those guys ends up being the second guy behind Barkley this year and the next guy just feels like he's already beat out and he takes off and he ends up transferring, then you only have two quarterbacks on the roster going to spring ball next year. You have Max Brown, who's going to be an early role, as we just said, and then you're going to have that guy that's the second guy, either Kessler or Wittick. Then I think you have to seriously consider taking a second quarterback in this class. And Johnny Stan has been the guy that I kind of I like just from a – a fit standpoint you know i talked to him a little bit he was down at the dana hills passing tournament he was very good um but you know he hasn't really heard a whole lot of from sc lately but i think it's still a possibility and i think i i like that because he's a guy that's a good athlete i'm telling you Johnny Stanton would be a hell of an H-back for USC. He'd be a hell of a fullback for USC. He could do some other things for USC. He might be a hell of an outside linebacker. He's a good athlete. He's a great leader. He's a great kid. He's smart. Again, there's a theme here with this class and these kids that they're bringing in, and I think right now they're going in the right direction with it. And a guy like Johnny Stanton would be good. I'm not saying he's the only guy that would be you know, a target or a possibility, but I think he would be a nice target and a nice possibility because he fits.
0: Uh, that they answered Melvin's question about Johnny Stanton. He also had one more. You often talk about uh, the three-point technique with defensive linemen. What does that mean exactly? Is that more of a defensive tackle or a defensive end?
1: That's, it's a defensive tackle. You're basically playing, you know, each part of the line has a technique. It's a, it's a shade. Um, you, know, it's just, it, you know, instead of saying, hey, line up over the guard or line up over the center, you know, defensive linemen shade a certain extent, so you're really playing shoulder head shoulder, shoulder head shoulder, and then in between shoulder head shoulder, you have gaps. And so the three technique is a guy that ends up being, you know, between the guard and the tackle. He tends to be a little more of a pass rusher. He's a guy that's getting up field, north and south. Um, nine times out of ten, a little taller because he gets in the passing lane. And if you got more of a one shade defensive tackle, he's going a guy that's going to be playing right over the center. He's going to be playing, you know, one of the shoulders of the center. He's going to be a little more stubby, has to use leverage more. If you're playing In a four-three. Now, if you're playing in a three-four, it's a little different. Your techniques are different. You're playing, uh, you you know, in a in a in a two-gap offense or excuse me, two-gap defense because you're playing directly over the lineman nine times out of ten. So when you have a you know a nose guard, you have somebody playing over that center. That guy's going to be much bigger than you have in a four-three. You're going to have one of these you know one of these Mount Cody type. Um, you know, type uh, nose guard defensive tackles that basically just takes up a bunch of space because he has two gaps that he has to worry about in terms of his assignment. When you're playing in a 4-3, you're really just playing one gap. And what I mean by two gap, one gap, when you're playing over a guy on the defensive line, that means you have responsibility, both gaps on either side of him because you're playing directly over him. You're playing over his head. If you're playing in the 4-3, the alignment wise, you tend to play in the gap. So you're playing one gap. So that assignment that you have is that gap that you're playing in so that's kind of the difference between that defensive tackles
0: all right uh let's go to tearing los angeles now that ricky seals jones has decommitted do you think usc will enter the sweepstakes for his services
1: i think they will i think they'll try i think they'll try to get him for rising stars probably not the best shot in the world. But it's intriguing, and, you know, USC has to kind of keep Texas honest as well with uh, Eldridge Massington because, you know, if Texas feels like they're not going to be able to get back on Ricky, they're going to try to go on Massington. They were already trying to go on Massington late when USC had offered him and when he was thinking about committing. So, you know, I I could see a little bit of gaysmanship going on there between Texas and USC. It's going to be difficult right now. The the word on the street street is with uh, Ricky Sills-Jones is that LSU – and really Baylor uh, Baylor's doing some really good things Our brows do some really good things with recruiting Baylor's in there for him So we'll kind of see how that all shakes out There's some talk maybe he wants to play basketball too You know, the great thing for, for USC is that You know, and I don't mean this as a knock to the basketball team I know those guys are out there You know, busting their butts and everything But really, USC can recruit a lot of football players That could probably <laughs> play right away on the basketball team So that's, you know, something that makes it really easy for Lane Kiffin And, you know, there was kind of a joke there That, you know, like Lane Kiffin's the best recruiter for the basketball basketball team, uh, that, uh, the USC basketball team has. So, you know, it's one of those things that, um, that would be probably a, a, a an advantage to USC, uh, if they got in on them, but it's one of those things where they got to, you know, make a move and try to get the kid out here unofficially or something to feel like, okay, we have a shot. We need to take this seriously because otherwise you only have so many rides and, you know, they've got two guys committed already. And I think two is really the magic number for them at receiver this year with limited rides.
0: And yeah, for people who don't know, he's like the 18th-ranked player in the, uh, in the country, four-star wide receiver, six foot five, 220 pounds. So certainly a, a, a formidable athlete that USC would be going after. Uh, Dave in San Clemente wants to know, and we always get these Khalil Rogers questions. We haven't had him for a few weeks, I think. Is the holdup on an offer for Khalil Rogers due to on-the-field question marks, his position on the interior, or off-the-field concerns?
1: I think it has just a lot to do with uh, just, you know, position wise and what they can get locally. And I just think they don't feel compelled to go across the country and recruit him and offer him, even though his teammates have offers. Off the field, I really can't speak to that. I haven't heard anything about him. But as I've said before, if if there are any issues, USC knows about him because they've had two of their, two of his uh, teammates committed. So I'm sure they have some good background uh, with the school and with people at the school and some good sources on Khalil Rogers as well. But um, from all I've heard, I think it's just more of a he's an interior lineman and, you know, they can get some interior linemen locally. They really want some guys that can play there on the edge and can play some tackle. And it kind of seems like that's where they're leaning in terms of guys that uh, they're willing to take right now.
0: Uh, we had some questions. I know this happened a couple weeks ago, the Brian Banks story, and uh, he went up to Seattle and got a tryout with Pete Carroll. And I think uh, Juice in San Diego wanted to know if it would be a good idea for USC to offer him a scholarship. If he called him a five-star linebacker commit, I, I think the media has kind of grown how good he was in high school since uh, the, you know this tragedy has happened. But I don't remember him as being a five-star commit, but do you think USC would offer him a scholarship?
1: That's a tough question. I mean, he's obviously a lot older. Um, He's mature and and I don't think there would be any question marks with him off the field. And we've seen guys, you know, that have been, you know, minor league baseball players that haven't played any college football, come back at 26 years old, 27 years old and play. Um, So it's not necessarily an issue of eligibility. I I think it would just be one of those things where I don't know if USC would feel comfortable just in terms of, you know, him being away from the game that long. Uh, Obviously, if he's turned enough heads in the NFL and all of a sudden wanted to come back to college and get his college degree, it's a possibility. I have to interject just a, a little moment of fact. Uh, everybody, take a deep breath here. You know, USC really didn't offer him a scholarship out of high school. He wasn't a five-star guy out of high school. Um, that's that's definitely a lot of hyperbole from the media and the mainstream media picking it up and trying to make it a bigger story and, and a better story than it is, and it really doesn't need to be. I mean, it's a great story. The guy, you know, got a second chance of life, and and. Uh, I mean, I can't even imagine the things that he, he went through uh, with with just being accused of something that he didn't do and, and having to spend time in prison. And, uh, I think that's a story enough, but, you know, the media tends to want to make it more than it is, and it became this whole thing that Pete Carroll was there and loved him and they was just, you know, ready to sign with USC and go and play for USC, and it was stripped from him, and that's not really how it went down. Um, but um, I, I don't – I just – I don't know. And especially, again, you know, we're talking about USC's situation with scholarships and, and RISE, and that's, you know, also a big issue too. So uh, while it's possible, I don't know that it's probable.
0: Okay. Uh, we got a more, couple more emails, and then we'll have a couple more voicemails, and that's it. But the, the last two email questions were on Michael Hutchins. Um, JD and DC wants to know, for a linebacker with Jalen Smith off the board to Notre Dame and Michael Hutchins in no hurry to commit, Uh, Is there a plan B at linebacker? And then uh, Rundy also wanted to know, he's like, whenever a recruit like Hutchins starts publicly bragging about visits to another school, he says, in my mind, the real reason is USC coaches have softened on his recruitment. Do you agree? So a couple questions on Michael Hutchins.
1: Well, first and foremost, I don't know anything about Hutchins not being in a hurry to commit. I mean, I think that, uh, there's a possibility he could commit probably pretty soon. Um, We just kind of have to wait and see. And I haven't heard anything about USC softening on him. Obviously, a guy like Trell Robinson, who comes into the camp and, you know, shows off his athleticism, you know, USC's only got so many spots, and so you start to look at a guy like that and say, oh, you know what, there's other fish in the sea. But, you know, Hutchings, uh, I think, is still a guy that's uh, high on the board, and I think he's still a guy that's really high on USC. I don't think anything has changed. I think that um, if you follow Twitter and you follow recruits, you're going to be all over the place with this stuff because they pretty much say anything. So I wouldn't, you know, necessarily <laughs> put too much stock in that. I think that uh, USC is, is really still his leader, and there's a potential, you know, he could go to Oregon and see some other schools and things could change. Um, we just kind of have to wait and see. But, um, yeah, you know, I mean, the same thing kind of goes for for Michael Hutchings as it goes for some of the other players that you know you you got an offer and you want to jump on that you know ASAP if you feel there are other guys out there that are you know capable of doing what you're doing and and could get those offers and end up committing before you.
0: All right, uh, last couple of voicemail questions. Here's the first one.
1: Good morning. This is George from San Diego, California. Love your show. Love your recruiting show. I just have a quick comment and then a question. My comment is, should USC consider looking strong at the defensive side since it was um, not their weakest point last year because they did start picking it up the second half. But if they concentrate more on defensive line and maybe some linebackers coming in, I think their offense is set. And then maybe next year concentrate a little bit more on offense kind of rotation so they get back to full scholarships thank you and my next comment is uh your show is fine don't change a thing have a good day
0: oh i think i cut him off there sorry but have a good day all right
1: (laughs) well i'm glad the show is fine um i I was ready for a critique there of what we should change (laughs) um i think he was going to say we should need to change the host ryan i'm not sure but i thought that's why you cut him off early maybe
0: no, I don't know. No, that, you can change the host. Okay. and find someone else. Okay. To do. All right. All right.
1: Um, I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm speculating. How I said. Um, anyways, uh, talking about USD and, and the recruiting and, and the cycle of things. Yeah. The, recy- the the cycle, you know, it depends a little bit upon the talent pool too, you know, and who's available. Sometimes you just have a great class of offensive players. And sometimes you have a great class of defensive players. Sometimes you have to push more on need, obviously, and it doesn't really matter. You have to, you know, make lemonade out of lemons. If you don't have a great uh, talent pool and, Um, defense but you need a bunch of linebackers a bunch of defensive linemen while you're SLL you better still recruit them because you're going to need them and not be picky and especially with USC down scholarships already you kind of have to do that Uh, with this year yes USC is looking at some defensive linemen Um, you know the number is still kind of cloudy because again you're getting a lot of guys that are you know a guy like Kylie Fitz that could play inside play outside Um, it's kind of hard to know you know how many guys they actually have at defensive tackle at this point as opposed to defensive end linebacker though I think they're pretty solid at linebacker I mean they've got some good depth at linebacker I think the one position they'd like to have a little more depth at would be Mike playing in the middle Uh, they moved Scott Starr there spring ball he played pretty well we'll have to see if that Ends up being his position, but right now you kind of got Dawson, and you got Star, and then you got walk-ons. So that's kind of a, a little bit of a dicey situation. Um, I think they would like to have somebody come in there that's a true Mike linebacker. Problem is, and like I was saying before, sometimes the talent pool just doesn't allow it, and there's really not a lot of guys out there that are true Mike. Linebackers. You know, even Michael Hutchings, who we were just talking about, isn't really a true Mike linebacker. I don't even think USC's really recruiting him or ever talk to him about playing the middle linebacker position. It's more been about playing outside linebackers. So we'll kind of gonna have to see. Outside linebacker's okay, though. I mean, you had two redshirt freshmen starting last year. Both those guys are coming back. They're both great players. You have, you know, Trey Madden, who moved over to running back. You know, maybe he comes back over to linebacker. They're okay right now with linebacker. It's not a position of, of great, great need. Um, they do need. You know, defensive lineman, I think, quite frankly, that's the one thing Lane Kiffin took. From playing in the SEC and coaching in the SEC, you've got to always have defensive linemen. You've got to have a rotation of defensive linemen. And that's really what separates a lot of those defenses in the SEC is that they have, you know, uh, not just, you know, four guys that are good defensive linemen, but they've got eight guys, yeah. you know, nine guys that are good defensive linemen that can play in a game that can go after the pass rusher or go after the pass and be pass rushers and, and get upfield and just keep coming after you, keep coming after you. And you saw that, you know, when, when Oregon played LSU, they just kept coming after Oregon. Oregon can have the high tempo and, and do all this stuff, no huddle. But, you know, you eventually LSU's going to be able to sub. And when they sub, they bring fresh bodies in there, and they're just going to keep coming after you. So I think that's kind of the thing with the defensive line. And, and USC does have to continue to recruit heavy at that position. All
0: right, we got one last one from SEC Country.
1: Hi, Ryan and Gerard. This is Dushan from Georgia. Gerard makes it, you made me eat my words on Jalen Smith, but no biggie. Uh, my questions are, first of all, what are our chances – on the Ramsey kid out of Tennessee and Leon McQuay out of Florida, along with our chances after the Mitchell kid got signed with uh, Andre Woods and excuse me. Yeah, so Andre Woods and Paul Harris. All right. And also Demarcus Walker. Thank you for guys putting me on the show so much. Appreciate it. There you go. the The open ended question to end all uh, questions <laughs> for the podcast. Uh, uh, what do you think of every guy that USC is recruiting? Um, well, we talked a little bit about Ramsey, so you know we don't need to talk about him anymore. Um, yeah, I, I think with uh, the, some of the guys that he mentioned you're looking at a lot of guys in the Southeast and that's always makes it, you know, a little difficult to recruit those guys. And I think, you know, you're talking about some, some moderate long shots. It depends on who they're able to get in for some, you know, unofficial visits and maybe some official visits. Uh, you know, basically they only have so many rides and these rides are going fast. You know, I think it was, they got nine scholarship offers that that are open right now. And that could end up, you know, by the end of the summer, it could be end up more like seven, six. So, you know, it's going to be pretty tough to wait on some of these kids, and, and that list is really a bunch of guys that are, are guys that they're going to have to wait for towards the end of the year. You know, Demarcus Walker. Demarcus Walker is, you know, saying that he's going to come in un- or officially visit USC during the year. That may or may not happen. He looks like, you know, he's more of a Florida guy. Um, you know, DeAndre Woods I'm not really familiar with. I know Jay Wood. Um, out of Georgia as a defensive lineman is a guy that was looking at USC, but he's probably a long shot too. I don't even know how hard USC is really on him at this point. Um, You know, there's a few guys there that really I think it's more about, you know, who do you have time to wait on and do you feel confident enough with waiting on a guy that has all that pressure and influence 2,000 miles away? And I think that really is what it comes down to. And I think, you know, Lane Kiffin – just for the past couple of years, there's been some guys that have been there late in the process and have slipped away, and and some of those guys have been local. And when you talk about Kyle Murphy or Andres Pete, both guys were local guys that they thought they had, you know, towards the end. At least one of those guys they thought they had towards the end, and they slipped away. So, you know, you can't you can't really do that with these scholarships and and trying to hit that 75 right on the dot. I don't think you can really wait until the end of the day with a lot of those guys.
0: And uh, just one more thing from the state of Georgia. We got to see Ryan Dillard the last couple of uh, USC summer workout practices, and he looked really good, actually, uh, on Tuesday morning. He picked off a pass from Max Wittick and he batted a ball away from Matt Barkley and uh, goal line stuff. So I know that his name came up before. Uh, he's had offers from, I think, Illinois, uh, Air Force. He was committed to Air Force at one time, I think Indiana. So he had scholarship offers out there and came, decided to uh, – walk on at USC, and he's been doing a great job so far. We've seen him out there. So you can actually see clips of at least one of those interceptions on our uh, Juwanza Starling video. We put one in there, and we'll also have a highlight video from Tuesday morning workout going up on uscfootball.com, so you can check him out there. So just, as an SEC kid, Gerard, he he doesn't have a scholarship, but he's looked good so far.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, talk about a win-win for USC. I mean, if you can get a guy that can actually contribute to the team, and he doesn't have to be an all-star, he doesn't have to be a guy that starts for you, just a guy that can contribute on special teams early in his year as a walk-on. I mean, that's just a a plus for USC with limited scholarships. I mean, if you can get a couple of those guys on top of your 75, uh, you're going to have a team that, you know, first, The special teams aspect, that's the biggest thing because you're not wearing your starters out on special teams, and that's a big deal. And having guys that can fit certain roles and do certain things for you um, in practice is a huge thing. And a guy like Ryan Dillard is able to come in, and even just as a scout guy, maybe we don't see him next year, but he's going to be able to come in as a cornerback on scout team and give the first team a look. And that's really where the 75 hurts USC. It's really with the scout team and practicing and keeping guys you know, healthy and not wearing them out too much in practice. You, know, you see that with the offensive line and spring ball. You know, They're not going at it as hard because they can't. You don't want to get guys injured or because they have too many guys injured and you only got you know six guys, seven guys that you can play, and you're basically wearing them out because they have to take every rep. So uh, that's a really huge thing if USC is able to get uh, some guys To walk-on that have scholarship-level talent.
0: All right. Well, Gerard, thanks again for going through all the questions. We had a ton of them, and I think we uh, got through them all. So, very nice job. Thank you very much for sharing all your insights there, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
1: All right. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, everyone else, thank you very much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, Trojan Blast. Recruiting edition will be back on Monday with our regular Peristyle podcast, and I'm sure we'll be back next week sometime with the Trojan Blast. Keep sending in those questions, podcast at uscfootball.com. Try to keep them specific as you can with a player or two, and we'll talk to you all next week.